This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Right now, all stock outlets with USB ports are on sale. Ditch the need for bulky USB adapters. Upgrade your home with features like ultra-fast charging, allowing you to charge your smart devices up to 40% faster than standard USB outlets. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all the great deals happening this week. Save big money at Menards. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Um, broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach in Santa Monica. Um, we have a great show for you today, and um, please be seated. Um, we're going to start off with, uh, we have a slight change in plans. Um, our, our intended guest actually had an emergency, so um, we're bringing on our, our good friend of the show, and, and me personally, uh, Mark Rendaza of the Rendaza Legal Group, who actually you know, is highlighted a very important event in kind of... Um, internet um, debate, and um, he um, made a very bold statement today, I am Sarkeesian, and we'll tell you exactly what that means. And in the second half, we're going to be talking with another friend of the show, Steve Del Bianco, who's back, and he's here in Los Angeles, actually, for ICANN 51, their trennial um, meeting, and um, where the, a number of issues are being discussed, including ICANN's transition from U.S. to multi-stakeholder control, and also ICANN accountability. So we'll be talking about that with Steve in the second half hour. Um, so without further ado, let's bring our, our good friend Mark on. Are you with us? I am with you. Mark, um, you know, so uh, Anita Sarkeesian, uh, for those who aren't familiar with her, has been someone who's been active in the gaming industry um, and somewhat of a critic of the role of um, video games and their depiction of women. In fact, um, when she had a um, a Kickstarter campaign to fund a documentary on that very topic, um, she ended up getting inundated with death threats. Her Wikipedia page was com- was hacked, and pornographic pictures of her posted up. Um, you know, doctor pictures, and uh, you know, really became a target of cyber abuse. And so. Um, there's this thing going on that I guess the Mark. Once you fill us in, what is um, you? Know, what is GamerGate? Well, you know, GamerGate is something I haven't been following very heavily, but you know, there is there's there's definitely a gender war going on in the video game community. Um, you know, thus far, nobody's really standing up for the right of aliens, who I think are depicted far worse than women in video <laughs> games. Um, so. 
you know, uh, when our alien overlords arrive, I, I want you all to realize that uh, I spoke You up. were the first. Yes, I, I was the first. So I, for one, welcome them um, and, and speak in the name of their civil rights. Um, and, you know, I, I don't just say that irreverently um, just to be irreverent, although I am wont to do that once in a while. Right. Um, you know, it's a video game. Um, yes. It's, it's a game. It's fiction. Uh, yes, uh, nobody really believes that people explode from the guts and then get back up as long as you have enough lives or that monkeys throw barrels down at Italian carpenters and whatever the hell else happens in video games. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of, a, in, in, uh, I guess, either a, a good person to talk about this or a terrible person to talk about this because I really don't care about the issues at all. Um, I, I, I'm, I just stopped playing video games when Missile Command was cool. Um, I just got very bored with them, and uh, it, it's just not my thing. I mean, good, more power to you if this is what you do with your time. That, that it doesn't hurt anybody. You're you're having fun. You have the right to do it. Um, I, I'm just not going to get in line in front of you at Best Buy if you want the latest whatever the hell it is you're going to play. Um, you know, and and I think raising feminist issues in video games uh, again, uh, I can't think of a topic that would make me yawn louder or roll my eyes harder, but. I can. <laughs> yeah, maybe a few, but you know, it's, it's, look, if, it, if it's meaningful, I, I, I think we've sat through some of those. But <laughs> if, it's, you know, if it's meaningful to somebody, fantastic. Go talk about it, debate it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's all well and good. But you know, there is a uh, th there's an unfortunate streak in debate that there, and, and you know, frankly, it usually comes from uh, you know, I find. A lot of this comes from uh, feminist speakers that they want to just shut down the other side of the debate. If you, if you disagree, right. then you're against us. Well, you know, this time, uh, this, uh, this, this woman, uh, Ms. Sarkeesian, was supposed to speak at a university in Utah. Utah State. And it, at Utah State University. And somebody was so threatened by her speech that I, they I, decided... I have to note here. I have at my disposal a semi-automatic rifle, multiple pistols, and a collection of pipe bombs. This will be the deadliest school shooting in American history, and I'm giving you a chance to stop it. You have 24 hours to cancel Sarkeesian's talk. Anita Sarkeesian has everything wrong with the feminist woman, and she's going to die screaming like the craven little horse that she is if you let her come to OSU. Um, you know, USU, I'm sorry. I will write my manifesto in her spilled blood, and you will all bear witness to what feminist lies and poison have done to the men of America, said the guy with the very small penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I would, uh, now, of course, I would hope any good feminist would be angry at you for saying that because you're making a gendered insult. But at the same time, <laughs> um, I, I hardly think that, uh, you know, uh, that, that whatever feminist or whatever is going to come, come rattling. But yeah, you know, and when, and when you think about this, don't just think about it in this context. You know, uh, not long ago, there was a, a you know, a, a, the, foreign, the Israeli foreign minister wanted to speak at a college in Irvine, California, and uh, Palestinian students decided to disrupt the speech. Right. So that he couldn't speak. And it's like, I don't care whose side of the debate you're on there. You can't have a debate if you don't at least have the other side speaking. Right. I mean, make your point, but let them speak. Right. You know, in the, you know, just this summer, uh, there's a masculinist group, uh, a voice for men was having its meeting in Detroit and similar bomb threats and death threats 
from feminists uh, saying that they didn't want this meeting to take place. And now we have this, you know, I don't know how you classify the, the person that wrote this, uh, whatever label you can attach to him, it wouldn't be one of anything but, uh, but, but you know, disdain. Well, here's what you wrote. You wrote, some little douchebag was so threatened by feminist theory in the context of video games that you threatened to kill people if she got to speak. First of all, dude, if you're going to commit, commit over something that actually matters. Second of all, you now turned it into something that actually matters. Sarkeesian has a right to participate in the marketplace of ideas, and the marketplace has a right to have her. Today, I want to speak directly to retractors. Um, I don't care if you despise her. What happened here is wrong. Even if you disagree with her, stand up and say, I am Sarkeesian. Yes. Um, and that's, like, I've, I've read, read and listened to very little of what she's had to say. Uh, the, you know, the first video I ever watched of her speaking, uh, I, I think she was two sentences into it, and, and she used the term weaponized pornography, um, which, you know, as far as I was concerned, um, kind of torpedoed her credibility in my eyes. Uh, I'm certainly not. But makes a- her quite skilled in um, Scrabble. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's silly, but, but you know what? A lot of people care about what she has to say. And this incident transformed her into somebody that I care about what she has to say. Not so much because I expect she's going to persuade me, although I would you know, listen with an open mind. Uh, but because the marketplace of ideas is there for all of us. And when some little dickbag comes in and kicks over a, a stall in the marketplace of ideas, we all lose out. I, mean, I want her to have that freedom to express herself without fear of retribution like that. So well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, though, you know, the fact that it's not just her. Um, there are two other women that have recently been targeted that had had to move out of their homes um, because of death threats. And you know, there, there's a I forget the woman before, but there was someone who actually left the industry entirely um, because she just you know, got so many death threats. And um, and so you know, there seems to be some uh, obviously. It's, I mean, I'm I'm assuming, but I, I think it's a, a hope, not just a hopeful assumption. That's only a few people doing this, but it's troubling that it's got to the point that um, you know this is happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it doesn't take a lot of people to threaten to kill a school full of people um, in order to, to maybe make somebody say, you know what, uh, I'm I'm out, um, and you know that is intolerable. I mean, I hate to be the First Amendment advocate that starts having to show people where the fence is, but look, that's where the fence is. Uh, we, we don't, if it's a threat or harassment, you know, that is different. A real threat or, you know, really what these are is extortion. It's if you right. don't give me what you want, which is the silence, I'm going to do something bad to you. And even if it's not that credible of a threat, my guess is, that whoever typed this is, you know, is a keyboard warrior. Um, and if they actually showed up in person, they could probably get their ass kicked by my daughter, uh, who's five. Um, but, you know, it, it, either way, it, it doesn't matter. You, you can't, this is just beyond the rules, right? There's nothing wrong with, I think if you listened to this person speak, um, you know, anybody who uses the term weaponized pornography, I think is going to be very easy to make look like an idiot. And go ahead and do that. Let them voluntarily leave the marketplace of ideas because you have confronted 
their beliefs and you've confronted their logic and you've defeated it. And if you can't do that, then that validates her ideas. Right. Perhaps her ideas are fantastic. I, I'm, I'm really... If you're so to, afraid of them that you have to threaten to kill her, yes. what does and that say is, about your ability to respond? And this is, you know, I see this perhaps, you know, because I have ADD and I see connections and everything, or maybe because I'm crazy, but <laughs> look, man, it's, it's the same... That'll be our second segment. <laughs> it's the same goddamn thing you have every time somebody wants to censor someone else. They are right. afraid of their speech. So when you have... You know, when you have, uh, you know, Christians who want to shut down pornography, it's like, well, look, if the Bible's so awesome, then put that next to, you know, uh, Mother Judd's 15, and uh, if, if that's better, then someone will pick that up and let the marketplace of ideas win, win out. Don't use the force of law or the force of threats to shut it down. And if it's the masculinist conference that was going to take place in Detroit, if there are you know, a bunch of women who hate their dads who don't want that thing to go on, well, then show up and protest outside of it. But you don't make death threats to the hotel to the point that it has to cancel it. And if you don't agree with Ms. Sarkeesian, then debate her or let her, let her defeat herself by making silly statements. But you know what? Now, at this point, as far as I'm concerned, there's one person that I'm backing in this, and it's Sarkeesian. And if she wants to give her speech here in Las Vegas, I pledge that I will personally pay for a security detail to make sure that she can say what she wants to say. Now, um, another person is uh, Brianna Wu, and uh, she has been the target of death threats. They've actually posted all her um, personal information online, and she described it as a war on industry women. And there's actually a, a Twitter handle, Death to Brianna. Um, so it just seems to be out of control. And, and how does, what, what, you know, I'm trying to think of past instances. How does this calm down? How do we get control of this? You know, uh, one of the ways we get control of it is we show that we link arms with people that we don't agree with when this kind of thing happens to them. You know, you've got to stand next to the person. I mean, if this were, people threatening to, to blow up a, a Ku Klux Klan rally, I would stand in favor of the KKK. And you know, that, that's not going to make me very popular down at, the, the, at, at Shabbat on Friday. But right. um, nevertheless, I think that that principle is more important than the result of any other debate. And, no, I, I and know it's only – go ahead. You know, that's, that's how we put it into it. You know, it's like if, you, if you go there – and even the people who agree with you, it is their obligation to say, no, that's not cool. You know, it's their obligation to bring this guy up to the public square and put him in stocks. You know, that, that's, that's how you get a control of it. Now, I know I it's know, um, only been about an hour or two that since you made your blog post. What has the response been, if any? Uh, you know, there's been a few people who have said that's, that's just great, and then others who have used it as an opportunity to criticize uh, Sarkeesian's theories, and you know, I've had to correct them that that isn't the point. Right. She can be wrong, but let her, let her be wrong. Let yes. her speak. Exactly. And, and if, you know, I, I would much rather have, I mean, and I'm presuming I wouldn't agree with her. I don't know. For all I know, if I actually listen to her, I, I might really agree with her, but... Um, 
you know, if it's somebody that you agree, disagree with that much and you think that what they have to sell in the marketplace of ideas has no market, then let them do it. Is there anything better than to see somebody with an idea you disagree with shouting into the wind with no one listening? I mean, you know, the, does anybody listen to Jack Thompson anymore? No, and nobody ever shut him up. He just stopped yelling because everybody just pointed at him and laughed. You know, it's way better to point at someone and laugh than to point at someone and say, if you keep talking, I'm going to hurt you. Right. Now, has, Sar- um, has Sarkeesian responded? Uh, to me? Yes. <laughs> no, no, she hasn't. Um, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of the legendary Mark Rendaza after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking with Mark Rendaza about the death threats made to certain women in the video game industry, particularly Anita Sarkeesian, who had to cancel a speaking um, engagement today at Utah State University. And um, Mark, is there something endemic about the internet that kind of, you know, you have the rule, I I forget what it's called, but the the length of time before someone in an internet debate compares someone to Hitler? Godwin's Law, yeah. Yes. You know, it's well, there is, there actually isn't anything special about the internet. The, the problem is what you're, you're finding now is it was special for a short period of time, 
because to get onto it, you had to, uh, you know, you had to be a little more intelligent than the average person. Um, and you, know, you had to actually have a computer back when most people didn't, and you had to know how to use it, and you had to have an account and all that. And, and so it screened out some people. Um, but, you know, really, and, and look, I, I don't really like most people. I mean, if you think about how stupid and worthless the average person is, then think about half of them are dumber and more worthless than that. So, uh, you know, now we're getting to the point where anybody can get on the Internet. I mean, there is no longer a barrier to entry. So all we're really seeing is now we're all on it. Uh, that, that very brief period of time when it was just people who understood, you know, memes like Mr. Spock ate my balls and who, you know, would, would could have kind of had a little bit of literacy to them. Well, now they're outnumbered. And now every shithead has, a, you know, has an attack, has a connection to the Internet and also still feels like they have a veil of anonymity. And, uh, you know, if you know how to do it, uh, you certainly do. I mean, boot up your Tor browser and, uh, you know, nobody can find out who you are or where you are and you can act any way you like with impunity. Um, you know, in some ways, uh, that's a good thing because, uh, you know, I, I don't like the government knowing every single person who's made a comment. I, I don't like everybody being tracked and all that. But, you know, the other side of that is, you know, maybe the, the, the few of us or maybe even the, the many of us who disagree with this kind of thing need to be loud about that, uh, you know, need to speak up about that and especially do so when you disagree with the speaker. Right. Right. Now, um, just looking at um, Anita's, Anita's Twitter page, page. and uh, she, um, last week she tweeted that um, it was the third time she's gone on stage after specific death and bomb threats were issued to an event where I was scheduled to speak. And she wanted to clarify that she wasn't canceling her appearance tonight because of death threats. She was canceling her appearance tonight because of the inability of uh, the Utah um, school, Utah State um, police, to or security to protect um, protect her, and um, that's really that's what did it. I think let me just find a tweet here, um, just to be clear. Um, to be clear, I didn't cancel my USC talk because of terrorist threats. I canceled because I didn't feel security measures were adequate. And someone made an interesting point. Um, 1999, gamers demand we stop blaming school shootings on video games. 2014, gamers threaten a school shooting because video games. <laughs> and, and that was tweeted by at the squink. Um, you know, I'm embarrassed that that bit of irony uh, made it past me. It, uh, well, it was, it was too, um, it was too Anita. And, um, but yes, so, um, it's just a incredible, it's, um, event and uh, that this is happening and that this is the type of uh, what, what debate has become on the internet unfortunately yeah um, but you know I think if, if enough people I mean that's why I you know I started the hashtag I am Sarkeesian you know I want you know and frankly it doesn't seem to be going anywhere but whatever you know. there's, about a, there's about a dozen or so I, I had about 10 people retweet it you know I just wanted I want people to see that though, especially those of us who don't agree with her, uh, want to give her her time on stage. She deserves that. 
Right. And, and it's not just because she deserves that. We all deserve that. You know, the day, I mean, I certainly know as somebody who says things that piss a lot of people off on a regular basis and thus, you know, and then my career makes me have to stand up for a lot of people to do the same, right. that, you know, we are way better off with this wide open and robust debate. I mean, that's, that's the whole theory of why we, you know, why, why our constitution exists is that we engage in self-government. We make the rules together by arguing about what, the, what they are and, you know, while we can certainly say that, uh, you know, big corporations put their finger on the scale and then, you know, the, the loudmouth people of us uh, have a little more uh, say than others do, we still are a part of it. But you can't get anywhere near there. I mean, I, you can't get anywhere near this quest for the truth if you don't have all sides of the debate represented. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I think you need to give equal time to both sides. Right. I don't think that the... You know, the truth does not lie directly in the middle of two opposing viewpoints. But if you don't have the discussion, if you don't allow for discussion of unpopular views or views you disagree with, even you don't wind up having having real views of your own. You know, I try at all the time I sit down and ask myself when I'm sticking up for somebody's First Amendment rights, you know, am I doing the right thing? Uh, and Heck, sometimes I think uh, maybe not, but I, I do have to defend my client. And sometimes I think, hell yeah, I'm doing the right thing. But you, you have to analyze that. I don't care what your belief system is. You know, if, if you're if you're a, a hardcore, uh, you know, a, a, you're a hardcore Christian, you know, at least question it. And, and that way, and you come right back around to, well, I still believe in, you know, all, all this stuff. So I've strengthened my resolve. There's nothing wrong with changing your position and, and, and growing. And right, you're right. never going to do that if you don't challenge your beliefs. And frankly, you're not going to challenge them entirely from within. You've got to pick up a book from somebody that you despise or listen to a speech from someone that you don't agree with and, and allow that to flow over you. It will galvanize your beliefs or it'll change them. Either way, you're better at the end of it. And actually, you know, telling you, for example, it's believed that about a a quarter to a third of Rush Limbaugh's audience are, are liberals um, who just, you like it because it gets them angry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'd like to see him go off the air because nobody wants to listen to him anymore and, and they figure out that he's, he's toxic, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want him to go off the air because I disagree with him. Exactly. Now, have you had death threats? Have I gotten death threats? Yes. Yeah. Related to, related to your profession. Not <laughs> Yes, yes, both related to my profession and due to my personality. Um, so how, what, how do you deal with that? Um, you know, the, I, I, the first ones I started getting were actually back when I was working in Florida um, trying to keep a, adult entertainment businesses open. Okay. And that's actually when I first started carrying a gun. And it was, it was really funny when I came home with the gun and, and uh, I was asked, uh, you know, who do you need to protect yourself from? And I said, Christians. And, and I didn't realize how funny that sounded, but um, you know, it, it was, it was really like, that's what it was. There were people who believed so strongly in their interpretation of scripture that a store that sells dirty magazines is so utterly threatening to them that you know, my my partner and I got a gun pulled on us in a in a dark parking lot in Yulee, Florida, and I was like, "Shit, I am never going out here without a gun again." Um, now, um, 
Mostly, the, uh, mostly Gandhi is famous for saying, you know, I, I, I like your Christ. <laughs> it's your Christians I have a problem with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about recently? Have you, you, do you still get death threats? You know, I don't even, I do, but I don't really even pay attention to them because it's like, look, if, if you're going to do it, I'm not that hard to find. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, as much as I'm a uh, First Amendment advocate, uh, I exercise my rights under the Second, Second Amendment as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm crazy and heavily armed. So it's, uh, you know, death threats don't really necessarily uh, trouble me that much. And, but, you know, but, but yeah, it's but an, it's an, I mean, I've, I've had death threats as well. But, but let me make, make one thing clear. That doesn't mean that I feel like, uh, you know, somebody who is receiving them uh, should discount them. Um, you know, I don't think she's making a big deal out of nothing here. Um, if she feels like her presence could cause this kind of thing, or hell, e- even if she doesn't really, you know, if there's a 1% chance and she decided to, to not go to her speech because of it, I, I don't think anybody, you know, I've had some people send me comments kind of judging her for that, and I don't think that's right. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to decide what another person feels like when they feel that they that their safety is compromised you know that's a that's a unique experience that we each have um you know and i, and I don't know that my reaction to it is the healthiest one and i guess you know, this is somewhat topical because you know right now um you know daniel citron has um her book out hate crimes in cyberspace um and uh, hopefully we'll be having her on the show later this fall and um you know but there's also been a lot written about how you know the internet is sometimes unkind to women that um, they're more likely to be the targets of online harassment. You know, that, I see. I don't agree with that. I think that that is a a uh, a myth put forward by um, you know academics who depend on that as their publication agenda. Well, actually, there was a publication this sum this summer, and a woman you know they did studies with people using masculine and feminine usernames. And the people with feminine usernames were like eight times more likely to get, um, you know, abused. Well, look, it, and, and that is, I've read that study, but that study defines it. You know, the problem is that study untethers abuse from its actual meaning. And they, they counted it as abusive if someone even tried to hit on them. You know, it's like, I don't really consider it abuse if you say, you know, Hi, age, sex, and location. I mean, it's sort of a pathetic pickup line, but pickup lines aren't abuse. Uh, right. If you think that's abuse, well, then, you know, you really need to wrap yourself in bubble wrap and, and tissue paper and not go anywhere. That's uh, our second segment. <laughs> and, and quite honestly, if, if you look at, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think Citron is an idiot. Uh, if you look at her writing, it is really more designed to further this myth um, when I've looked, I deal with cyber abuse cases constantly. It's, it's part of what I do. Um, the, I would say that the, the gender bend on it is very close to 50, 50. Um, you know, of all the revenge porn cases I've looked at, you know, the, the typical story is it's a mad ex boyfriend who does it yeah. you know, just as many times. It's a new girlfriend who finds the pictures of the ex girlfriend and this, and you yes. know, there's, there's yes, that is strange, true. I've, I've had yeah. cases like that as well. You know, and there's this very strange uh, way that, you know, men and women are both very competitive instinctually, but we are competitive, I think, in different ways. 
And, uh, you know, women get, uh, I mean, I just don't understand the, the fury about the ex-girlfriend who was with the guy before they even knew him, but that, that exists. And, uh, there, maybe there's some, uh, you know, some, some evolutionary reason for it. Mark, we, we have to wrap the, um, the article I was talking about was by Amanda Hassan, Pacific Standard, um, why women aren't welcome on the internet. It was out this summer. But Mark, I want to th- thank you so much for doing this on short notice. Um, why don't you give us a plug for how, how best to find um, the unique and always entertaining Mark Rendaza? Well, uh, my blog is at the, uh, the Legal Satyricon. So uh, you find that, uh, you can find me. Great, and um, the, the Fellini-esque to the end. <laughs> but thank you very much, Mark, and uh, I hope you'll come back. My pleasure, gentlemen. Great seeing you. Bye-bye. Bye. We'll be back after these messages with our second segment with Steve Del Bianco giving us a report on what's going on live now at ICON 51, ICANN 51. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Biz Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the BubbleFast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at BubbleFast. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. 
Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Ben and Kelly of the Internet Law Center, and you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Um, our second segment, we have Steve Del Bianco, who's been a good friend of the show, um, last on in a, a great debate on the Internet sales tax issue. And uh, But he is speaking to us live from ICANN 51. It's their uh, triennial meeting. Um, this time it's in Los Angeles right here. Um, and Steve, are you with us? I am, Bennett. It was good to see you over here at the ICANN meeting earlier yeah. this week. Thank you. Yes, it was a pleasure. And um, so, you know, for those who aren't familiar, ICANN is the uh, entity that's responsible for overseeing the domain system, and they have um, global meetings of all the interested parties um, three times a year. Um, they just had one in the summer in London, and um, the next one, I believe, is in the early winter and that will be in um, February in Marrakesh. So, um, but to this week they're in Los Angeles. And see, what is the, the hot issue? Yeah, th- this week the hot issue is the independence of ICANN from any U.S. government oversight. And that's a process that we started in 1998. And it's taken this long to sort of move it along to gradual independence. And as ICANN takes this final step and cuts that last cord of U.S. government oversight, everyone's calling it the, the transition, the transition right. to full independence. And associated with that, Bennett, are lots of issues to say, well, how are we going to assure that, that ICANN remains accountable to the global Internet stakeholders once the U.S. government is no longer there to exert its, uh, its gentle discipline? And right. Talk a little bit more about how that's worked over the last 30 years. That'd be interesting, actually, because you know, we've. Um, some people have said that basically the U.S. has very little influence now, and so you know, what we're arguing about is is really more symbolic. You know, it's symbolic, but symbols are real. They are. The U.S. invented the internet and in, 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 and uh, began to push it out to the world by the 1980s, and in the 1990s there was an explosion of commercial uses of the internet based on the DNS that we created, the domain name system. And then in 1998, the Clinton administration said, the U.S. government shouldn't run this. We're going to let the world run it. And we created a corporation, a a public benefit corporation headquartered in Los Angeles. And we called it ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. And that was a commitment we made to privatize the domain name system management and it was supposed to allow the private sector to take leadership for DNS management. And, and look, the private sector stepped up. And when I say private sector, that includes both businesses and civil society, right. and consumer advocacy groups, and governments have a role as well. But the, the key here was not to have the domain name system run by an intergovernmental agency such as the United Nations. So the U.S. made that gesture in late 98, and gosh, it took uh, it took over 10 years to, to make the big step of independence, and, and that was in 2009 when the U.S. government no longer managed ICANN through an oversight agreement. It cut it loose from that, but it did retain it did retain one last tether of accountability, which people call the IANA or IANA contract, and it is largely symbolic. But think of it this way, Bennett. Um, 
1998, the U.S. set up ICANN and handed it the keys to the car, the keys to the DNS. Right. And over 10 years, gave it gradually more independence to drive that car wherever and whenever it wanted, but it kept an eye on, on whether they were following the laws, whether they were adequately responding to the needs of Internet registrants and users. This IANA contract, then, it really represents more than just the keys. It's like giving up the title to that car forever. So, but when has the U.S. said, you know, um, you know, sorry, son, but you went a little too far here? Say that again. I oh, when, what's an example where the U.S. has tried to rein ICANN in? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I'll give you the most recent example. Um, in 2011 and 2012, it was time to have ICANN rebid for the IANA contract. And the IANA contract, as I said earlier, is that last tether. And that's the mechanism that allows ICANN to manage the top-level domains of the Internet, everything to the right of the dot, the .com, .org, and uh, several hundred new ones that are coming on board this year. So that contract was to be rebid in 2011, and the U.S. government put out a request for proposal. Um, I believe ICANN was the only one to respond, but their response was, well, it was pretty lame. And the U.S. Undersecretary of Commerce, Larry Strickling, canceled the bid, instructing ICANN to do a better job responding to the needs of the community with respect to security and processing of route changes. Well, that got ICANN's attention, Bennett. Um, they came back with a improved proposal, and then in July of 2012, the U.S. awarded IAN a contract to ICANN one more time. But those contracts last for three years, and they have renewal clauses. And that right. means in September of next year, the next contract expires. So early in, early in 2014, the administration announced uh, sort of a surprise announcement in March when it said that um, when the next contract expires in 2015, the U.S. government was prepared to relinquish the contractual authority that it was holding over ICANN, and that it would want uh, a, a way to turn that over to the private sector, multi-stakeholder community of Internet users and registrants with assurances that they'd be accountable, keep the Internet secure and stable, and assurances that governments and intergovernmental organizations couldn't st step into the breach and take over. Right. So it wasn't a, a carte blanche, we're handing it over. We're handing it over under, under these conditions. That's right. And, and these conditions, they make a lot of sense. And, and they have begun the conversation about and how so to meet those conditions. Your and, concern uh, is the accountability then. It, it, will, it, it definitely can, is. It will, I, and, and explain to people why that's a concern and how, how is I, I can respond it, if at all. They, uh, it took a little while to get a recognition of the fact that once you hand somebody the title to that car, you no longer have any leverage over them. And it's not as if the words on the title to the car matter. It's the, it's the notion that you have it gives you leverage to say, wait a minute, you're not running things correctly. You're not, a, you're not responding to the needs of the Internet community. And that leverage has now been formally recognized as an important element of accountability. And that has allowed us to say that before the U.S. hands over title next September, ICANN has to allow the community to design some enhanced accountability mechanisms so that we, the community, who's supposed to be running this, can hold ICANN, the corporation, accountable to what, to what we need. And I could uh, walk through some of that with you, but uh, it's been a long year, right? We've, we've launched this process in the spring, 
And by midsummer, well, things were a mess. ICANN was really resisting the notion of having to accept new accountability mechanisms on its board and its uh, management. But the community, uh, with that resistance, the community grew more resolved than ever to say that no, the community itself, and the community is business users and registrants, registrars and registries, civil society groups, and governments. We all joined hands, went to the microphone at the London meeting and said, you, you cannot take over the IANA functions until we can replace the U.S. government's soft accountability leverage with something else. And, so and what would you envision? Was, uh, a, a greater role on the board or of ICANN? Well, keep it, I'll, give you, I'll give you six brief mechanisms that we sure. propose. But, but keep in mind that ICANN, the corporation, is just like any company. It has a board and it has management. Right. And when those board of, of directors take their seats on the board, I realize that they're elected by the community out here. But once they take their seats, their fiduciary duty, their, their responsibility is to the corporation. It's no longer to the community. Right. That's written expressly in their bylaws. So they have to look after the, the good uh, interests of the corporation at that point. And it's a significant corporation now. It's 300 people, sort of 100 million in revenues. And it, and it is, a, is a growing organization with a, a scope and a reach that, well, is alarming to some people. So what we have said is that we need just a handful of mechanisms in place to hold ICANN accountable to the community. I'll just give you a couple of examples. There's an agreement with the U.S. government on doing regular reviews of how ICANN is doing. And we think that that agreement needs to be baked into ICANN's bylaws so that they can't simply walk away from that agreement. We think that there should be an independent review or an independent judiciary structure so that decisions made by management and the board can be challenged and evaluated by an independent panel. There's something similar to that today, but the board itself gets to decide whether a question goes to that independent review. We don't believe they should be able to block a review when the review is about something they decided. We also think that um, budgets and changes to the bylaws of ICANN should be subject to the community review and approval. And then finally, as the ultimate accountability, if the community comes together and says uh, the board isn't listening, management's not listening, we ought to have the ability to dump the entire board or just spill the board and elect new directors. This is something you're familiar with with corporations where shareholders right. can come together and, and dump the entire board and start over. Uh, it happens rarely, but when it happens, it's significant. And it's, a, right. uh, it, it's an appropriate governance mechanism, but it doesn't exist in the case of ICANN because remember I mentioned, Bennett, it's a California public benefit corporation. Right. It's not a regular corporation with shareholders. You see, there are no shareholders to ICANN. Right. Instead, so we're all called is... stakeholders. Right. We're all called stakeholders. So we don't have the formal mechanism yet to dump that board, to spill that board and elect a new one. So that's part of what we're asking for. This doesn't sound dramatic. And uh, the U.S. Secretary of Commerce on Monday afternoon uh, just casually mentioned that he thought this notion of spilling the board seemed like a reasonable accountability mechanism that we might bake into the plan over the next several months. Yes, and um, you know, he was there for the questioning in which you, know, you, asked, you got to ask him that question. And um, so uh, how optimistic are you that ICANN will take the steps to move in that direction? I'm, I'm, 
I'm very confident that the community over the next several months will design mechanisms very similar to what we've just described. Uh, it, it will come up with a consensus around them, and certainly there's details to be worked out. And we have to resist the urge of adding lots of other complex new accountability mechanisms that will drive us away from consensus. And when, when we finish that recommendation, we're going to hand it over to the ICANN board. And, and there is the key decision point. The ICANN board is faced with the decision of, um, you know, gulp, do we accept these new accountability mechanisms on us and future boards? Right. Or do we push back? And uh, we're looking forward to ICANN's board's discussion of that tomorrow when they'll decide what mechanism they'll use to vote on, on whether to accept it. But if the ICANN board should say no, they don't want to be this accountable to the community or um, – but they don't want to accept these new mechanisms. There are other levers to pull. We, we can, in fact, go to Washington and ask Congress and the administration to back the consensus of the global multi-stakeholder community. If we all felt these were appropriate measures, uh, they could logically convince ICANN's board to accept them. Now, um, you know, Secretary Strickland and I believe Commerce Secretary Prisker has also stressed that you know, while they want this transition to happen, you know, they have the ability to extend this for four additional years. So um, this may not happen overnight, and it's only going to happen if they get it right. No, you, you couldn't have said it better, and uh, I was glad to hear that from the Secretary. But, you know, Bennett, let's not, let's not take our foot off the gas on this car here. Let's, let's keep our pedal to the metal. Let's get these accountability mechanisms in, because there are some other reasons other pressures brought to bear. As you know, the Snowden affair right. stoked the flames of discontent from nations like Brazil and Russia and India and China, discontent over this legacy role of the U.S. government's oversight over ICANN. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the surveillance that Snowden revealed, but nonetheless, it stoked the flames of, of resentment. Right, and Brazil Therefore, hosted the, a conference on global Internet governance because of that. Pre precisely. And, and they didn't actually deal with the surveillance question at all because governments have always done surveillance and spying and they have no intention <gasps> really? of giving it up. Every, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, they, what they presented was this notion that, that uh, the U.S. government then has too much control. It, you and I right. have already discussed it. The U.S. control has been minimal and it's been a light touch and, and the U.S. has stood by the community more, more than any other country. But nonetheless... Uh, there's a lot of pressure out there, and I think that the optics of the U.S. delaying the transition are, are going to be dangerous. So, yes. so we want to be sure that if, if we have to extend the contract and delay the transition a year or two, we'll still be able to show we're making significant progress, and we're very close to completing the transition. It can't, it can't appear to the world, Bennett, that the U.S. is reneging on its promise to give ICANN its independence. Right, because that would just be, be a setback for us globally. I believe it would, and the nations that resent uh, the way things are would go straight to the United Nations and try once again to have the UN step in and take over right. the function of DNS management that ICANN does today. And that's the worst-case scenario, really, is having a UN or an ITU take over rather than you know, what, what we're, we're trying to achieve here. I, I can't imagine a worse outcome than that. Since the UN, while... Governments at the UN cover most, uh, you know, every nation on the planet. You have to remember that only governments get to vote at the United Nations. So civil society and reporters 
in business, consumer protection advocates, none of us get a vote at all at the United Nations. So, Steve, we only have a few seconds, a few minutes left. Um, tell us about NetChoice and uh, and how people can learn more about you, you, you and your organization and what you guys are up to next. Thanks, Bennett. NetChoice is a trade association representing leading online businesses and e-commerce platforms. Our members are folks like AOL, eBay, Facebook, and Google, and Expedia, VeriSign, Yahoo, and uh, many others. And we're, we're trying to make the Internet safe for capitalism. One of our recent members is the Lyft, the ride-sharing service. And every day, Lyft is battling uh, taxi commissions and taxi regulators who want to stop that innovation. Which is ironic because they're having free Uber rides at ICANN 51. But <laughs> so you can learn about us at netchoice.org, and uh, you'll see a blog up there that I just posted early this morning describing the current situation here at the ICANN meeting. And yes, so uh, and it's, I would it's welcome readers to subscribe, yeah, subscribe and, and, and join NetChoice. Uh, individuals can join and follow our activities for free. Of course, we represent our paying members in trying to make the Internet safe for capitalism. And his, his post, as well as a number of other posts on, on what's going on at ICANN 51 or at Circle ID, and um, definitely check it out. So, Steve, um, one last thing, um, pr- a prediction on whether or not what, where we're going to end up on this whole Amazon tax thing in Washington. Yeah, the, the Amazon tax is, is definitely put on the back burner since Amazon itself has physical presence in so many states that they'll be collecting for two-thirds of the United States population next year. So Amazon long ago ceased becoming a pure-play e-commerce company and uh, can do same-day deliveries because of fulfillment centers everywhere. And I think it's made Amazon's services more valuable to consumers like us. But at the same time, there are a lot of companies smaller than Amazon who start up in, uh, in any city of America and put up a website to reach customers all around the country. Right. And believe it or not, Congress has got a plan to force every business to have to collect and file sales taxes in 9,600 different jurisdictions for 46 different states and 550 Indian tribes. And that well, we'll bill to, was passed we'll, by the Senate and we're doing our best to stop it from passing in the lame duck session between now and the end of the year. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure, and we'll definitely have to have you back on to talk about that. And I want to thank everyone for listening to this show today. Um, you can listen to us on online at uh, Webmaster Radio or as well as iHeartRadio and a number of other places, Stitcher, um, among others. So please check us out. Um, listen, you can get more information on today's show at our blog, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. Check us out at internetlawcenter.net. Until then, have a safe week. Um, we'll see you next week right here on Cyberlaw and Business Report. Thanks to our producer, Brasco, and we'll see you then. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.